Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside co-host Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media. And this is episode number 52, the Jamal Wilkes episode, as the former Laker and UCLA Bruin has the only number 52 jersey in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Bruce, want to come to my rescue to provide a quick analysis on Jamal Wilkes? Oh, man. Jamal Wilkes kind of started out as Keith Wilkes when he was at UCLA. Won a couple national championships. Might have won three. He definitely won two. He was teammates with Bill Walton. He was a rookie on the 1975 Warriors, which was his first NBA championship. And then he won three uh, on the Showtime Lakers. Jamal Wilkes, nicknamed Silk because of that wonderful, great release. So, yes, uh, Jamal Wilkes, welcome to the club. (laughs) Yeah, quite a successful uh, career there for Mr. Wilkes. But before we move along any further here, Bruce, just want to let everybody know Bet Online is your number one source for all your championship finals info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sport insider sports wagering needs from basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get in on the action today, head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code believe that is B L E A V to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. And uh, tonight I'm going to start with you, Bruce, for our opening tip. Well, before we get into the obvious news, which is uh, the NBA championship, I wanted to step back a couple days uh, to Friday night in Miami. During halftime of Friday's Game 4 between the Heat and the Nuggets, someone in the Heat organization had the brilliant idea of staging a fake stunt to promote a pain relief spray endorsed by former UFC champ Conor McGregor. It involved McGregor punching Heat mascot Bernie which was also one of my nicknames along the way. I digress. And he was going to fake punch Bernie and then spray the pain relief product on him. But while the stunt was obviously not supposed to be violent, either nobody told McGregor or he just didn't care. He landed a left that dropped Bernie. And then when the mascot was on the floor on his back, McGregor moved in UFC style and hit him again. Bernie was then literally dragged off the floor ended up in the hospital. He's since been released, but the whole spectacle was incredibly distasteful and really beneath the dignity of the Heat organization and the NBA. Bad job, Conor McGregor beating the hell out of Bernie. (laughs) That was an interesting scenario that transpired. And obviously our thoughts are with uh, Bernie, the mascot. He definitely earned his paycheck that night and got a little bit more than uh, he had first offered when taking that hit. As for my opening thought, um, Got a quick question for everybody. It's actually a series of questions for my opening thought. Did Bronny James transfer to SMU? Has Austin Reeves signed an offer sheet that won't be matched by the Lakers? Did the Mavericks sign a big man? Wait, did the Mavericks, Dallas Mavericks even make the playoffs? Well, if I'm correct and the answer to all these questions remains no, then I wish good luck to Kyrie Irving trying to recruit LeBron James to join him on the Mavericks. Why on earth... Would LeBron leave Los Angeles to go share the ball with two other guys that need the ball uh, to be playing at their very best? None of this really makes any sense to me. It's, of course, great for offseason headlines and content, but it's just a terrible idea. 
World B hates tra- the trade machine, but this recruitment pitch by Kyrie might be even worse than any trade proposal I've seen so far this summer. And uh, with that, let's get to the exciting news here. As we do have your Game 5 recap and reactions, the NBA season is officially over as the Denver Nuggets are the 2023 NBA champions. The Joker and his team go down in history as the first team to bring an NBA title to Denver. It was an exciting finish tonight at Bell Arena. And Bruce, what were your thoughts watching the final minutes of that game and watching the Nuggets finally secure a title? It was super, super intense game. Uh, ugly basketball in many, many ways, but also beautifully competitive as both teams pretty much left it all out there. Um, so many things to talk about in this game. Uh, but, you know, the main thing is, once again, Joker came up big when he needed to. He was the calming influence. He was the MVP. I'm sure it was unanimous. Uh, I can't imagine anybody else could have gotten a vote over him. Um, And the only thing that I was kind of worried about a little bit with Denver is that they just, they couldn't make a three and they kept missing all these free throws. And I'm thinking to myself, are you really going to blow the championship by missing like all these free throws? But, uh, but they didn't, they hung on and, the defense down the stretch was just like they were just taking chunks out of each other's skin. It seemed it was it was it was beautiful and ugly all at the same time. It what sure was, think? and yeah, you, you mentioned those missed free throws earlier on in that first half. Down the stretch, though, we saw two key trips to the foul line for the Denver Nuggets from two key guys that played a huge part in this basketball team uh, securing the title here tonight, and that was uh, Bruce Brown who had the two free throws at the end of the game to put him up five. And then before that, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, had some big plays and hit some big free throws. And uh, I thought those two were the big difference makers down the stretch for the Nuggets here tonight, along with uh, Jokic. I mean, first of all, Bruce Brown, I mean, he had that that tip in. Uh, he had the energy defensively. He, he, he made the uh, the – the Miami Heat shooters work all night. And then KCP, I mean, I know that the announcers uh, on tonight's broadcast had mentioned he's the only Denver Nugget with finals experience, but boy, did it seem to show here tonight. He was the calm, cool, collected one on this Denver Nuggets team. He came up with big plays, big shots. It was kind of handed to him, but he also had that big steal uh, in in the closing uh, possession for the Heat when Jimmy Butler drove into the lane, got stopped, tried to kick it back out. And uh, it's a nice luxury to have someone, at least one guy, a key uh, role player on your team with some finals experience. Would you think, Bruce? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've I made you know a lot of notes throughout the course of the game. And one of the things that I, I wrote was KCP never stops guarding. The guy is just like the Tasmanian devil on defense. He's always looking. He's, he, you know, yeah, that steal that went right into his hands was somewhat given to him. But at the same time, you know, I've seen Jimmy Butler get steals like that, and they gave him credit for being in the passing lane, right? So, yeah. his, so his, so you know, you can say what you want, but the guy was just a demon out there, uh, and was, you know, just a, a a huge contributing role player. I mean, it wasn't Jamal Murray's best game tonight uh, on on Monday night. He, you know, he still made plays, and he still, you know, probably led the team in assists. 
because Joker sure didn't, not tonight. We can talk about that and when we talk about him. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the biggest takeaways besides what you mentioned, which is Bruce Brown and KCP, Jimmy Butler, you know, waited until about, you know, there was just five or six minutes left in the game before he decided that he was going to put his foot on the gas. Granted, a lot of it was defense, uh, but a lot of it was Jimmy Butler not really doing what he needed to do. I mean, when Aaron Gordon uh, picked up his third personal, like three minutes into the second quarter, you would have thought, okay, Jimmy Butler's going to get it going now. I mean, he's going to, he's not going to have a bigger guy on him. And he never did, you know, mm. Bam out of bio is the, and, and Kyle Lowry were the guys that kept Miami in it, you know, in the first half, particularly Bam. But then in the second half, Bam all but disappeared. I mean, he was like, you know, he had nothing in the second half. Could be that, you know, the altitude and just the pace of the game, you know, he got tired, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone expected Denver to win this game. Um, but also, Miami acquitted themselves well. I mean, you have to give them credit. I'm going to I'm gonna talk about this, you know, later in the show when I do my closing uh, thoughts about what the respect that we should all have for Miami. But, yeah. I mean, considering Denver couldn't make a three and missed a million free throws and still ended up winning it, just tells you they were the better team. Yeah, they certainly were. And I'm glad you mentioned Kyle Lowry. That was the guy that really stood out uh, for me here tonight. Uh, I thought he had an impressive game, despite what the box score would tell you with him shooting 413 from the field. He had some big shots uh, late in the game, late in the shot clock. Had that big tip out when Aaron Gordon was about to secure that defensive rebound. He tipped it back out. They got the ball into, back into the hands of Jimmy Butler when Butler decided to kind of get it going. Butler drew a foul, got to the line, knocked down two free throws. Uh, it's hard to really knock Jimmy Butler because he was the guy in this postseason. I mean, he had an incredible ride throughout it all. So it's it's really hard to to really, you know, trash him for, for this game. But I mean, without those two threes down the stretch and that trip to the free throw line where he scored eight points, he had a terrible game. I mean, let's just face it. And I'm sure Jimmy might be even the first one to admit that as he's a pretty realistic guy. But, yeah, just very surprised to see him not really have his legs earlier on in this one, especially, as you mentioned, when Aaron Gordon got into some early foul trouble. And then all of a sudden in the last five minutes, he just started to get some lift and uh Got, got a few threes to go and then even got that controversial call. I got to ask you about that, Bruce. I mean, were you surprised that one wasn't overturned on the, the kickout three? Well, I know that Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy were certainly surprised in watching <laughs> the game. But yeah, I mean, in fact, I think Jeff might have even said it could have been called a flagrant on Jimmy because, you know, it was not a natural shooting motion. His foot extended right into Aaron Gordon's, you know, groin kicked him right there. Uh, and it was just, it was an awful, seemingly an awful call. And the explanation didn't, didn't provide any clarity on it. It was just a bad call. And as you and I were talking before we started rolling the tape here, uh, had Miami come back and won that game by one or two points, the conspiracy theorists would have been like lighting up Twitter right now. Yeah. It certainly seems like they wanted to extend that one. If you're one of the conspiracies, conspiracy guys out there but uh fortunately Denver went ahead and secured this one there was a little panic down the stretch there they it was getting sloppy which again I've always said plays into Miami's favor uh 
They had that skip pass from the top of the key that was stolen by Miami, and I thought maybe the tide was turning. But Mike Malone was was very good, stayed calm, had trust in his players. They slowed it down and got back to that wonderful time management uh, that the Nuggets displayed all uh, playoffs long. I mean, I think just their execution, and maybe this I'm stating the obvious here, but I thought the Denver Nuggets execution in the last – four to five minutes of every game in the playoffs and ones that they of course won and ones that they uh, might've lost just by a few points. They, they just always did a good job playing in the moment, not speeding up and knowing to get back to the basics. I think this team really did a great job. Of course, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's very nice to have the Joker who we're going to talk about here soon. You know, when things get rough, just throw it to Joker at the top of the key, and he's going to go ahead and create offense, whether it be on his own back downs, his own moves, or if you just keep moving and cutting, I mean, he'll find guys. And uh, I thought Mike Malone did a great job keeping those pivotal guys out on the floor. He even benched Michael Porter down the stretch there because Bruce Brown and KCP were playing so well. But, uh, Bruce, how about you start us off? Let's talk a little bit about this year's NBA Finals MVP. One of the things that I've been saying about the Joker, virtually every single podcast that we've done, and now that we're on our 52nd show, I haven't been here for all of them, but every time I talk about Joker, I basically say the same thing. You cannot speed him up. He plays the game at his own pace. He lets it come to him. He never forces anything. He'll have a few turnovers here and there, but look, for a 6'11 guy who's got the ball in his hands as much as he does and who makes as many, you know, passes and, and you know, he doesn't really gamble on his passes. They're, they're usually, you know, they're pretty solid. Uh, but there's just, you know, the one of the reasons for his greatness is he plays the game at his own pace. There could be chaos going on all around him. He could be playing in traffic. There could be guys in his face putting their hands up, whatever. Joker just kind of says, okay, he surveys it, he he calms his team down, he always tries to make plays for his teammates, um, even though it was an interesting quirk in the second half of Game 5 on Monday night, zero assists, he only had four assists in the game, that's probably his low number for the entire playoffs, but you know what, he was in control of it, he was in control of the pace, and uh, yes, I mean, this guy, <laughs> I mean, look, he was he turned 28 years old in February, okay? He wins his first championship. Michael Jordan, the year he won his first championship, 1991, he turned 28 in February of that year when he won his first championship. Is Nikola Jokic Michael Jordan? No, he's not Michael Jordan. But I'll tell you what, this guy's going to the Hall of Fame. Is there any question about it? Not None at all. I mean, this guy's a shoo-in for sure. First ballot Hall of Famer. Um, we're talking about the Joker. And before we talk about him a little bit more and kind of what he has now on his career resume, the one thing I do want to point out, which I think you'll agree with, Bruce, is, of course, it's always a bummer when your team doesn't win the NBA championship. But for the NBA fans as a whole, who can be mad at Denver winning their first title? I mean, you look up and down this roster. They got a ton of likable guys. You've mentioned Jeff Green. I've mentioned Bruce Brown. Aaron Gordon was a guy I was on earlier this year. They really earned their stripes this year. A lot of people, you know, overlooked them, didn't give them the credit they deserved, thought, you know, teams like LeBron and the Lakers, KD and the Suns, Luka and the Mavs, you know, would go ahead and kind of elevate past them. And, you know, 
we, we all kind of doubted them all year. They proved us wrong. And, uh, you know, once that final horn hit tonight, I was extremely happy for those guys because they just have a high character team and high character coach and Michael Malone. And uh, of course, the, the best player in the world, Nikola Jokic. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and furthering that point, you never see Denver play dirty. You never see them get called for flagrant fouls. They play physical, but they play clean. And you have to respect that. Um, they, you know, they've got a, a great home court advantage. I mean, the altitude is a real thing. There's really only two NBA team, two NBA franchises that have that, them and Utah. And, and theirs is even a little bit more uh, extreme than Utah. But again, there's absolutely nothing bad you can say about, about that team. You have to respect them. I'm, I'm thrilled for them. I'm thrilled for their fans. And, and now uh, they have become the second ABA team to win a championship. We know that the Spurs got five. Denver now has one. Uh, they were the last of the four ABA teams to make it to the finals. Indiana got there in 2000. And uh, the Nets got there in 02 and 03. So, uh, yes, and they're set up for the future, too. I mean, their best player is 28. You know, Jamal Murray's okay. around that age. Uh, all these role players that they have, they look like they really enjoy playing with each other. And that starts with Jokic. It really does. It, it, you know, he makes them all better. And for the people who were, you know, doubting on Jokic and saying, oh, you know, he's this, he's that, um, they all can – you know, eat their words now because this guy, he's a worthy, worthy champion and a worthy NBA Finals MVP. And he maybe should have been the regular season MVP also, but I think Embiid got it because it was sort of like his turn. Well, I think yeah. Jokic showed who the real MVP is. Yeah, and that leads us right into our second quarter here, Bruce, as uh, I had written down here, the joke's on us as the Joker may not have won this year's MVP but he does win the Nuggets franchise, their first championship, while also taking home the finals MVP. So make it three years in a row if that man's won an MVP in some fashion. So, Bruce, I got to ask you, after another incredible season from the Joker, where do you have him ranked in history, and how do you think he will be remembered as of right now? I think it pretty much cements Jokic as the best big of his era. I think he's probably the best big since Tim Duncan retired in 2016. I don't know of another big who's played since Tim Duncan retired that can compare to, to Jokic. Uh, you know, two MVPs. I mean, last five years in a row, all-star every year. Um, Five-time All-NBA, either first or second team. That five-year all-star uh, run is still current. He is the best passer in the NBA, not the best big man passer, the best passer. He came he came 12 total assists shy of averaging a triple-double this year, okay? I think he had 678 assists in 69 games or whatever. So if he would have had 690 assists instead of 678, he would have averaged a triple-double. He has 105 regular season triple doubles. That's already sixth all time, okay? And the most by a center. The second most by a center, Wilt Chamberlain, 78. So 27 behind him, okay? He has a chance to become the all-time leader 
in triple doubles. If he plays six or seven more years, which there's every reason to believe he will, this guy could really play 15, 16 years because of the way he plays. He doesn't jump high. He doesn't put a lot of stress on his body. Uh, he's, you know, and, and again, it really depends on how long Russell Westbrook continues to play, whether Jokic will eventually be the all-time leader in triple doubles. Surefire Hall of Famer, as you said before, the best big of his era. Sorry, Giannis, you're the only one who has an argument, but I think Joker has, Jokic has he, He's got him right now. He's got him there. And Joel Embiid, you know, congratulations on your MVP. <laughs> You're probably the third best big of this era after after Joker and Giannis. What are you, what's your take on uh, Jokic's place in history, Ross? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously very tough uh, as he's continuing to just surprise us all with year after year of elite performance. I would say this, securing this championship this season – Despite not winning MVP, I, I I think he's flirting with top fifteen all time. I know that that's very select company, but this this guy is 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 shattering records. He's doing things we've never seen from the center position before. Um, he adds, of course, tonight a championship ring, and he does it. I mean, you can't fault the ones that you know had to win a ring were with a franchise that have already done it, but. I do throw a little significance in. He's the first one to get it done in Denver. And then on top of that, he now has a finals MVP that he gets to add to his resume. And uh, look, there's a lot of all-time greats that don't even win a championship. I mean, guys like Barkley. I mean, we could go down a full list here. Carl Malone, John Stockton. He's got one to his name now. I think that definitely kind of elevates him on top of uh, the triple-double statistics and, and stats that you threw out there as well. So, and I mentioned the last show, Bruce, and this is the thing that's mind-blowing to me when you mentioned him playing 15 or 16 seasons. Of course, I think he can do it. He he has a very timeless game. I mean, this guy could play forever. I mean, even when he's old and slow, if you wait for him to get down the court, he's probably still going to find you guys a bucket. I mean, as long as he's got fast guys around him cutting off the ball, he's going to be just fine as long as he's, you know, able to knock down a three here and there or a 15 footer. I just don't see anything in his game that tells me he can't be effective long-term. And I think keeping all that into consideration, I think he'll certainly end up being a top 15 player all time in the NBA. I think you're, you're right on the nose there. I have never seen a big with the kind of a soft touch that that guy has. He just has such a feel for everything that's going on out there, whether it's passing whether it's controlling rebounds, tipping it to himself, um, obviously the passing. And I remember telling you in uh, World Be Freer, uh, when I produced that Suns-Nuggets playoff game uh, at the end of April, I had a really close seat to, to, to watch him work. He jumps about two inches off the floor. He doesn't need to. He doesn't try to make a showy play. He's just like, you know... He, he understands, I think, that uh, with the kind of body he has, by not jumping high to kind of show off or whatever, he reduces the amount of stress on his legs, on his knees, on his ankles. And that's why I feel he can play 15, 16 years. You talked about, yeah, you know, he could become an old slow guy. 
Well, he was a young, slow guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't really see what he's doing changing a whole lot as long as he continues to, you know, work on his conditioning, as long as he has teammates that can knock down shots. And really, if you look at their core, Michael Porter Jr. is young. Jamal Murray's young. You know, KCP's a little bit of a veteran. Bruce Brown is young. Christian Brown is young. They've got a wonderful core there. Uh, and and the, the spoke in the middle of the wheel is Joker. He makes it all work. He's always made it all work. He'll continue to make it all work. And so, bravo, Joker. You're, you, you know, you deserve all the credit and all the accolades that you're receiving. Absolutely. And with that, we've reached our halftime buzzer. So we'll go ahead and take a quick break and come back with you for the second half. And we're back with the start of our third quarter. Let's get to some news around the association. Tonight, we're going to start off with the Toronto Raptors, whose coaching search certainly remained under the radar for, for most of the offseason thus far. But finally, as of Monday, they had a new head coach in Darko Rajakovic, who was an assistant coach with the Memphis Grizzlies this year. I know that uh, Darko was also an assistant coach for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, three or four years ago. So he's got some NBA experience under his belt as a coach and certainly should be fun to see what he can do with this young Raptors team, a team that I saw, Bruce, that the management was not happy with Nick Nurse's development of younger players. So I'm, I'm assuming that has a lot to do with his hiring, you know, helping improve these young guys that they do have on their roster. And uh, what was your takeaway for seeing the news break? Well, first of all, He's from Serbia, just like, yeah, just like Joker. Uh, the the last Darko from Serbia that I can remember is Darko oh, no. Milicic, oh, who no. was an absolute disaster. Although he did pick up a championship ring with the 04 Pistons, although he did next to nothing to contribute to it. But that said, this Darko Rajakovic has been an NBA assistant for nine years, as you mentioned, OKC. Phoenix, Memphis. He was Taylor Jenkins's top assistant the last year. Um, and according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, the Raptors feel that uh, that he is capable of coaching a contending team with veterans or a rebuilding team should they decide to transform the roster into younger players and draft assets. So his ability to kind of coach older veteran team and help in player development was the reason that he was hired. Uh, so, um, you know, good luck to, good luck to him. I mean, Messiah jury has, uh, made a lot of good out of the box moves over the years in Toronto, including renting, uh, Kawhi Leonard for a year, which brought them a championship. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in Majai, in Messiah, we trust, and we'll see where, uh, Darko Rajakovic will take Toronto, but, um, it appears that they feel he can coach any kind of roster that they need him to coach yeah and, and the big question with coach darko that i gotta ask you bruce are we more excited for coach darko that you know he landed his first head coaching position in the nba or are we more excited for him that he gets away from all the john morant stuff not knowing who the point guard is going to be on a night-to-night -night basis in memphis I think we should all be excited for the fact that an assistant coach is going to get a head coaching job okay. uh, north of the border. I mean, the taxes are pretty tough up there. You know, when you when you work in Canada, you pay a lot of extra taxes. It's not like working in Texas or Florida where there's no state income tax. 
be that as it may, uh, we'll see what he has. I mean, Toronto is really one of those teams that we don't really know what direction they're going to go in as far as, you know, are they going to try and trade and, 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 you know, uh, you know, not exactly burn it down, but but go in the direction of building for the future. So it'll really be uh, one of the good off-season storylines. We'll keep our eye on things as we continue to do our shows during the summer. Let's just remind people at this point, we are not done just because the NBA nope. season's done. We're going to be here every week during the summer, and we want you to be here with us. And we also want you to tell us some of the things you want us to talk about, right, Ross? I mean, it, it's wide open this summer, and, and we're happy to serve you, our listeners, and, and discuss anything you guys want us to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're definitely going to be having a lot of fun on here, continuing to provide NBA content uh, content to all our listeners. But certainly, if there's something you want us to discuss, let us know on social media. I'm sure you see our Twitter posts, Instagram posts, Facebook posts, all that good stuff. Let us know, and we'll definitely uh, go ahead and put that into our show. We're more than willing to incorporate feedback and suggestions in the comment section. So. Definitely do that moving forward because we aren't going anywhere. But uh, some more news we have, Bruce, is uh, your Boston Celtics, Charles Lee, the front runner for the uh, Pistons job before they decided to ultimately give Moxie Williams the bag, now joins Joe Mazzulla's coaching staff with the Boston Celtics. Lee had spent the previous five seasons as an assistant on Coach Mike Budenholzer's staff in Milwaukee and, and – uh, the one thing I have to say for you, Bruce, you got to be pretty excited about this because not bad to have a guy that knows the Bucks quite well. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and and he was actually one of the finalists for the Toronto job as well. Um, yep. You know, he spent the last four years as one of Mike Budenholzer's assistants in Milwaukee. And after uh, Darvin Ham left to take the Lakers job, he became the top assistant to Coach Bud in Milwaukee last season. He does join, as you mentioned, uh, former Celtic and assistant with a number of teams, Sam Cassell on Joe Mazzulla's staff. It's interesting. I mean, this is something that probably only Celtics fans really care about, but Lee's title is lead assistant coach. But it's not really clear if Lee or Cassell is considered the top assistant to Missoula. Based on that title, it kind of sounds like Lee has, you know, uh, leaped over Sam in the number, you know, to be the top assistant. But we probably won't really know until we start seeing who's sitting where on the bench uh, once we start going into the preseason games uh, uh, in uh, you know late September, early October. We'll see who sits where. But I know a lot of Celtics fans on Twitter. Um, I've, I engage with, with the Celtics crew, being a Celtics fan. Some of them were like, well, they thought Sam was going to be the number one assistant. Uh, but now it looks like Lee is going to be the number one assistant. So there could be a little bit of drama there, but I but I am excited to see Joe get some help, you know, uh, on the bench. I think he deserved to have a chance to kind of pick his own staff, I guess, in consultation with Brad Stevens. You know, the boss is still the boss. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But Lee is highly regarded and you must have a good feel for what he can bring to the table based on your familiarity with the Bucks. Yeah, I think he's a great hire. Um, I think that the Celtics are certainly assembling a much better suited staff for Missoula and his lack of experience. Um, he's got two well-respected assistant coaches joining him to help him out on both offense and defense. And uh, my biggest takeaway and the thing that hurt me being a Bucks fan was the fact that 
you know, nobody knows the Bucks better than Charles Lee does. So, I mean, that that certainly doesn't hurt, especially if they were to uh, get into another playoff series with one another. And uh, as you know, Bruce, they, those two teams have battled it out uh, and gone the distance in, in previous playoff rounds. So I'm sure he's got a good familiarity with Boston heading into this new job and uh, he's probably excited to work with uh, the team. So I'm looking most forward to the first game Joe Mazzula gets kicked out. I need to see Mazzula get ejected because I want to see that's going to give us the, the real confirmation who the lead assistant is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know what's funny? It's not really funny, but I guess, you know, people that you know know that Adrian Griffin is now the Milwaukee head coach. Adrian Griffin played several seasons for the Celtics. I don't yeah. think he has any particular um feel for what their current roster is like as far as, you know, being able to kind of, you know, scout them the way Charles Lee can with Milwaukee. But it's kind of funny, the kind of uh, uh, symbiosis, I guess, if that's a word, between the Celtics and the Bucks, with their new coaches and new assistant coaches being formerly with the other organization. So, But I'll be very happy if Boston and Milwaukee are the top two teams in the Eastern Conference again next season. I think I think that's uh, there's that, that would be a good, you know, healthy thing for the Eastern Conference. I totally agree. You can sign me up for that. I would sign on the dotted line right now to be guaranteed to be a top two team in the Eastern Conference. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Griffin having spent time with the Celtics. Lee now goes to the Celtics from the Bucks. That's a weird trade. I got an even weirder trade for you, Bruce, here as our final news story of the day. And that is the weird OKC Denver trade that happened during the NBA Finals in which the Nuggets acquired a 2023 second-round pick, a 2024 first-round pick, and a 20, 2024 second-round pick in exchange for a protected 2029 first-round pick last Friday. What what did you think of this when you saw this scroll across your Twitter feed? Well, well believe it or not, one of the first things I thought was the Thunder have so many assets coming up that they probably just have too many first round picks coming up in the next few years. So what they're really kind of doing is stretching that out so that those assets, you know, rather than having a bunch of more picks than what they really need right now, uh, they can kind of push one of them back to 2029. Who knows, you know, who even knows whose pick that is at this point? Is it the Thunder's pick? Is it, is it some team that they acquired it from? I mean, I'm sure they know because they – they then had to try and figure out, well, okay, which ones do we want to part with here? Um, so it, you know, what what it does for the Thunder is it kind of defers, you know, an asset, you know, five, six years down the line. Yep. What it does for uh, the Nuggets is it allows them to sort of um, acquire some low-cost contracts with these second-rounders and create some trade tools as the team is really going to have to navigate the luxury tax because with these large contracts that Joker, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. have, they've got a lot of their money concentrated in three people, and they're going to need to be able to make some deals to acquire some you know, people that maybe want to come play for like the veteran minimum or whatever. So the, it gives them kind of flexibility for their roster in the near term and yeah so they'll 
they'll get, you know, they'll give up that 2029, 20, you know, protected pick, uh, which is sort of like so far off the radar screen at this point. I mean, by 2029, the Nuggets could have won like their third NBA championship <laughs> at that point. But it is a weird trade. You really never see teams that are still active in the finals making a trade during the finals. It was very kind of weird. Yeah, very strange there. My my two ticket takeaways from this was one, Sam Presti, the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, guess is banking on the Joker slowing down by 2029, getting a first round pick there. And then for for Denver, this makes a ton of sense. This was a steal in my in my opinion for them. I mean, cheap help is the way I looked at it. Cheap help getting another guy like Christian Brown, guy that played in the uh, national title game just a year ago, and now he's playing in. NBA Finals minutes. I mean, he was a huge uh, contributor to this Nuggets team. If they can go ahead and try to hit on another guy like Christian Brown, why wouldn't you do that? I think this was a a, uh, a definite obvious move for Denver. And a uh, little strange that it was a Western Conference uh, swap like this because OKC is ultimately, in my opinion, helping Denver out for the near future. But weird times. I mean, it was... <laughs> Very well, strange. you know, well, you know, OKC, as we saw how they progressed as a franchise and as a team this past season, that's one of the teams that is going to probably be jumping up to challenge Denver in the next couple of years for, for yep. some of that Western Conference supremacy. The Lakers, as long as LeBron and AD are there, OK, you know, you have to, you know, they're in the mix. But I, I like OKC's future better than I like the Lakers future. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and. You know, the other teams have kind of, you know, been up in the West Memphis. Who knows what's going to happen with that team? I mean, you know, Dylan Brooks is gone. John Morant, who even knows if this guy's going to have, you know, the, the kind of long career in Memphis that, that you know, we thought he would. And then, you know, some of the other teams in, in the Western Conference, I mean, none of them look to me like on the verge of really doing anything serious. So, but Oklahoma City was one of the teams that was yeah. rising up with a very young, talented roster, you know, with guys like, you know, Josh Giddy and, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, so we'll really kind of see. I mean, those two teams could end up becoming, like, real serious rivals uh, in the next couple of years. Yeah, they certainly could, and I'm with you there. Who even knows, uh, you know, what could possibly happen with that? And uh, that leads us right to our fourth quarter because, you know what, Bruce? Who even knows what's inside this basketball pack here? We got a pack of trading cards. We're about to rip it open, and uh, we'll take turns uh, talking a little bit about the players that we pull from this pack. So who even knows who I might pull out for you here first, Bruce? I'm so, like, on the edge of my seat. You know, when I gave you guys the card challenge last week, I gave you guys a bunch of classic players. You, you showed a lot of historical knowledge, but, you know, I'm very apprehensive, Ross, about what you're going to do to me here. But okay, take 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 your shot. I got I got a good first one for you, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I've heard of him. I think he's pretty good. <laughs> what can you say about Giannis Antetokounmpo? I mean, he's he's your favorite player. He's yep. one of my favorite players. He's an incredibly charismatic, incredibly athletic, wonderful guy. He's got a very cool younger brother, Thanasis, who's a friend of the show. And uh, I 
think you might have said at some point along the way, Giannis may be able to give us a little bit of time over the summer. And uh, this is my opportunity to remind you of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right now he's, uh, he's, he's back overseas. He's working on his game. He's posting workout videos and uh, certainly hope to get him uh, on the pod once he gets back situated in Milwaukee and has some downtime. So don't worry. We're going to work on that as soon as he's back in the States. As for my first one, I have Jalen Johnson of the Atlanta Hawks. Young rookie, I believe. Or no, actually, I take that back. Second-year player. Um, got some length to his game. Uh, he is a wing. I believe he played at Duke. He was a highly regarded recruit. That kind of fell in the draft, so the Atlanta Hawks took a swing on him. Showed some promise. Has, of course, his highs and lows, a lot of more, you know, more downs than ups. Uh, but he's got some potential, and uh, we'll have to keep an eye on him moving forward. Next I'm one, so Bruce. glad you got. I'm so glad you got Jalen Johnson because you at <laughs> least had something to say about the guy. <laughs> My comment would have been, is he named after Jalen Rose? <laughs> well, I think you're going to have something to say about the next guy that you have that was pulled, and these are in order. So I'm kind of shocked you got this one too. But let's try to limit you to here 30 seconds. Jalen Brown. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love Jalen Brown. I believe that he and Jason Tatum should stay together. I know that there are financial concerns there as far as putting all that money on him. But I'm a huge fan of Jalen Brown, not only as a player, but as a man. Uh, he's a leader. He's always been a leader, not only on his team. Like in the summer league, he used to get guys together to talk about serious issues. So uh, Jalen Brown big fan of yours all right next up we have jeremy grant which is actually kind of relevant to this show obviously jeremy grant was a pivotal piece to the denver nuggets just a few years ago kind of played the aaron gordon role for that team elected not to take their offer to stay with them in free agency and wanted to go play in detroit uh where he could have been the number one option which i thought he was crazy to, of doing and then of course he had a successful year being kind of the number one guy there win-loss record didn't really reflect that, but he played quite well. Didn't think it was he was even capable of being the number one scorer. Now goes to Portland, was traded in a deal to go over there last summer and continued to play at a high level. Seems to at least be a number two on a playoff team. So got to give him some kudos because he definitely proved me wrong, bet on himself to show a little bit more of his game. And uh, I think he's a free agent this year, so it should be uh, interesting to see what happens with him. This free agent class is pretty weak, so he should be one of the top guys that uh, to keep an eye on moving forward. All right, next up, Bruce, Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes, uh, the veteran on the Sacramento roster, won a championship uh, with Golden State in their first championship season in 2015. Veteran guy, I think he's a free agent. I'm not positive about that. Uh, he is a guy... He's almost got the potential to become like a Jeff Green type of a character as he goes deeper into his career. A veteran guy, mature, high basketball IQ, high character guy, uh, probably will become, if he is a free agent, he's not going to be getting max money. So there will be no shortage of suitors for Harrison Barnes. The pride of Ames, Iowa. All right, next one up. Corey Kispert of the Washington Wizards. He was a sophomore, 
small forward shooting guard, one of the best shooters in his draft class coming out of Gonzaga. Uh, got off to a slow, sluggish start as a rookie. Showed some promise late last year. Certainly a guy that new general manager Michael Winger is going to have to figure out uh, how to put out there on the court, as I think he is going to start developing a new younger core in D.C. to uh, be competitive. He certainly kind of fits the bill to be a uh, off-the-bench type shooter, kind of like a Max Struess. Um, so hopefully uh, he can be a big part of this Washington Wizards team moving forward. All right, Bruce, next guy up is a Marquette guy. Juan Toscano-Anderson, GTA. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was like a boomerang in golden state was wasn't he i mean he went yep. he went to he went to the lakers was it as a free agent um yes he but he didn't come back that was gary payton the second that came back right so juan toscano anderson went to the lakers and stayed there didn't he no he got traded to the utah jazz along with um oh goodness uh Taylor horton tucker in a deal that got them jared vanderbilt well, Juan Toscano-Anderson got himself a ring last year in uh, Golden State, so uh, he's a made man now. So uh, have a good rest of your career wherever you are, uh, JTA. Also was a NBA slam dunk participant in this year's All-Star game, which didn't really make sense, but he was there. All right, Eric Gordon, obviously a veteran shooter, definitely aging. Seems like he's going crazy playing for the Houston Rockets. If he had any hair, he'd be pulling it out. Got traded at the end of the year. Got to play with the Clippers. Kind of a surprising move, in my opinion, just because I thought Norman Powell did such a great job. Powell did then did get hurt, so he did play a pivotal role. Should be an interesting offseason for Eric. I think he is a free agent, um, and we'll see if he stays in L.A. with uh, a team that he played most of his career with or if he'll be moving on to another contender elsewhere because I'm sure – Someone would love his shooting services. I feel like we should almost pass this next guy, Nikola Jokic. Did we talk about enough about him tonight? Should we just keep – do you want the next one? Is this a skip? I, I just want to pay tribute to the best player in the NBA, period. Okay. All right. I'll let you go back-to-back back here, Bruce. You didn't get much of a chance. This is a throwback <laughs> card, actually. Allen Iverson. Ah, uh, the answer. The the. <laughs> One of the all-time greatest little guys in the history. One of the all-time best crossover dribbles. Everyone remembers him putting Michael Jordan on his butt. He had him on skates. Um, you know, popularized cornrows, popularized wall-to-wall -wall tats. Um, Hall of Famer, emotional engine of the Sixers and others. Also played for the Denver Nuggets, the world champion Denver Nuggets towards the end of his career. So uh, great, great little guy. Uh if we ever have Larry Brown on this show, and I'm hoping that we will, his Allen Iverson stories are the best. So hopefully that's a little bit of a tease. And I'm going to reach out to Coach Brown, also a former Nuggets coach. That would be awesome to have him on. All right, next one's going to be real quick by me. This is Orlando Magic rookie Caleb Houston. He is a wing shooter, was drafted in last year's draft, of course, and we should see him in summer league this year. Next player. Thank you All for right. taking it easy on me. <laughs> Well, not too easy. Let's see if, what you can tell me about Moses Moody of the Golden State Warriors. I'm looking at the clock, Ross. I mean, we're closing in on 48 <laughs> minutes here. We're about 47 minutes and change into the show. If we want this show to go 48 <laughs> minutes, all I'll say about Moses Moody is uh, 
I think he parted the Red Sea back in about 4,000 oh, wow. years ago. That's all I got on, on Moses. I know he's on the Warriors, but I, I want us to, I want us to be on time for 48 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Perfect. Was that smooth? Was that smooth? Did I, did I pull that off? Yeah. And this one's going to be smooth too. This is a, another rookie here, Tyrese Martin of the Atlanta Hawks. And I do got to say that, uh, NBA hoops cards here stump me because I'm not sure much about him at all. Maybe he's uh, related to Caleb and Cody Martin. He does look kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. He kind of looks like he could be a distant cousin. So uh, that's all I got to say there. Next one here for you, Brandon Ingram. All right. You know, uh, one of the guys that the Lakers got rid of has gone on to be an all-star in new Orleans, um, had injury issues this past season, but uh, now that, you know, Zion Williamson seems to be making more news about like, you know, hanging out with porn stars than rehabilitating and getting himself <laughs> back on the court. You know, Brandon Ingram could be the future leader of that team. Yep. And last but certainly not least, Keegan Murray, the rookie wing for the Sacramento Kings, had a great season for the Kings. He has the best PA announcer uh, call when he hits a three. They just say He just says Keegan, and the rest of the crowd says Murray. Um, so he helps electrify the crowd there. Keep an eye on his brother, Chris Murray, who is in this year's draft, also played at Iowa uh, with Keegan last year. He is around the range. The Sacramento Kings have a first-round pick this year. So could we see the Murray brothers reunited on the Sacramento Kings? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, that was fun, Bruce. Let's go ahead and get to our final thought, and I'll let you start things off. All right. If you don't admire the Miami Heat, you just don't understand the value of culture. Year after year, the Heat always find a way to maximize their talent and usually have a season where they overachieve. They are not what I'd call a dynasty because that label is reserved for teams that win multiple titles in a concentrated period of time. But even in years that they don't win the championship, they compete and give fans their money's worth because they have stable leadership at the top. There's a history of corporate patience that separates them from most NBA teams. And while their playoff run ended in Denver on Monday night, they played hard and they went down believing they would win. And if their playoff run has taught us anything, it's that this franchise has a special sauce called heat culture, and it really is a thing. It absolutely is. And once again, congratulations to the NBA champion Denver Nuggets. As for my final thought, Shams reported earlier on Monday that the New Orleans Pelicans are aggressively pursuing the second or third pick, hoping to draft Scoot Henderson. This is major news in my eyes as I feel a sense of relief as I strongly felt that Scoot was the much better player and pick over Brandon Miller, who's projected to go second in most mock drafts. What makes this report so interesting is that the Pelicans do have a ton of assets to potentially make this deal happen. So uh, certainly if you're a World B or a Charlotte Hornets fan, I wonder what it would take to trade that second pick for some of the young players that the Hornets or the, the Pelicans have on their team. And uh, I don't see it happening, Bruce, but Char Charlotte would certainly be a perfect place and a, a perfect highlight factory for a LaMelo Ball, Zion Williamson duo. Not sure we'll get it, but we'll have to keep an eye out on if the Pelicans can go ahead and secure a top pick in this year's draft. And uh, with that, we'll say so long. And that will do it for this edition of the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you have a great night. Take care, everybody. So long, everyone.